0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode I interview Kevin Newell, owner of Humane Wildlife Solutions, a humane, non-lethal and ethical alternative to pest control in Scotland. The business uses methods to repel and deter so-called pests rather than the current methods offered by traditional pest control services which include trapping and killing. Kevin and his team are currently researching a plant-based, non-lethal, non-toxic wasp nest repellent that encourages wasps to take their young and go elsewhere. They've also discovered what may be the world's first plant-based pesticide that's likely to be cheaper as well as good for people, animals and planet, and they're currently seeking funds to continue this research and testing. In this interview, Kevin discusses the importance of solving a problem, servicing a demand in the market and finding a niche that is craving your product or service, the downside to creating a unique and revolutionary product or service and how to overcome this. How passion and belief in the face of scepticism from family and friends led to the business increasing sales by over 300%, opening additional branches in the UK and gaining its first international contracts. The importance of testimonials and word of mouth referrals, how partnering with non-profit organisations can help your business and much more. Here's the interview with Kevin Newell from Humane Wildlife Solutions.
1: Hello, Kevin. It's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. That's
2: my pleasure. Thank you for asking us to come on the show. Really looking forward to this interview and telling you more about Humane Wildlife Solutions.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's you've got a very unique business. In fact, when I was interviewed um, a few weeks ago by Victoria Moran, who runs Main Street Vegan Academy, she asked one of the questions she asked was, "What are the, some of the more unique vegan-run businesses?" And I named yours because I hadn't heard of a, a vegan wildlife, you know, so-called pest solution company. So, really looking forward to digging in and, and finding out a bit more and and getting some tips from you for for other vegan business owners. So, um, first of all, Kevin, I, this is the first question I always ask everyone is what's your reason why you're doing what you're doing
2: okay my reason why um ever since I was a teenager I had a massive love for wildlife and still do have now um, you know I used to go at a wildlife rescue center and work from 7 in the morning to 11 at night and sometimes I wouldn't even go home I'd go and sleep in the hay bales and um, just my, my pure love for working with animals and as weird because I weren't even vegan at the time. Um, but working there and seeing, if, uh, you know, learning more about how animals are used and in day-to-day life turned me vegan. So, you know, that, that love for wildlife um, is my reason why. And that's what kind of drives me on um, in all the jobs I do today, in all the work I do. And I even have a joke with my clients uh, when I go and see them that I don't see them as the clients. I see the wildlife as my clients. So when I'm doing my work, I always do it for the best I can for the animals which are causing conflict for people. So, you know, my reason why is my love of, of, of wildlife and, and being there to help animals who are in conflict with people.
1: Fantastic. And what got you into actually starting up um, Humane Wildlife Solutions? Because you could have done lots of different things because of your love of animals. This is the very unique business. So what kind of got you into that particular uh, unique niche?
2: well um first well first of all, I remember watching a program i mean I went you know up until my late twenties without working with wildlife i I did many other different um jobs and had good qualifications in business studies and it wasn't until I remember watching a program called Fox wars in the in the United Kingdom where they were saying about how many foxes were being killed in the cities. And, you know, I'm, I'm an active hunt saboteur. So in the countryside, so I go out and, and and stop people with pack-to-hounds killing foxes. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. No one's actually protecting, you know, the wildlife um, in the cities. And I wanted to think, you know, I, I wanted to, to offer a service. And, you know, I started out, first of all, um, just by contacting someone who I knew was a wildlife expert and just saying, look, how can I do this? Can you share your knowledge with me? And that's what he did through through networking. And once we we started out um, doing the work for foxes, we've just inundated with every other wildlife species you can imagine. And it kind of just grew on from there.
1: Fantastic. So it's really what I'm hearing is it's really responded to demand. Once you sort of put out there what you were doing, you you responded to a demand in the market for humane solutions to so-called pest control. So that's fantastic. Just in a bit of a nutshell, just briefly, what were you doing work-wise before Humane Wildlife Solutions, Um, Kevin?
2: Well, before I liked helping animals, I was working helping people. So I used to work in Welfare to Work um, here in Scotland where I would help people who were on benefit, who didn't have money to live. And then I moved on from that to another company where, again, I was helping people who, who couldn't read or write, didn't know how to use a computer were low in self-esteem or confidence. And what I did was help build them up so they were ready when they wanted to to go back into work. So it was kind of helping people go from whichever state they were in currently and building them up with them, building up their confidence and their skills and then getting them to where they wanted to be. So it was quite a rewarding job.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. So you've, had, you've got this theme of compassion going through, which is wonderful. Tell me about when you first started up um, your, your new business, um, Humane Wildlife Solutions, what were some of your key challenges?
2: OK, the most the one that stands out the most was, you know, what we do is so unique and so different. And, you know, I don't think it's been heard of on a, a scale that we're trying to, to get it across. So convincing people that our methods... That our methods actually worked. So that that was the biggest one, convincing people what we were doing works. You know, a lot of people, even family and friends were saying, you know, laughing off, going, you're not going to stop them without killing them. You know, everyone's so ingrained. The only way to deal with wildlife is to cull it, poison it, snap trap it. And we were offering something so revolutionary and so different. It was taking a while for people, you know, to get their minds around it. And then on top of that, You know, just, you know, I started this business just as myself. Um, you know, trying to find funds to raise awareness for marketing, to raise the profile of what we did was incredibly hard when we first started up. That was probably one of our, our, our key, um, challenges, I would say.
1: And how did you overcome that? How did, because now, you know, you, you obviously have built a profile and you're, I know that you're busy. So what was the tipping point? Was it just a case of kind of keep doing what you're doing so that more and more people listened? Or Can you give us a few tips of how you actually um, overcame that challenge?
2: Well, um, I let my work do the talking, as to say. So when people gave me a chance, I went out there, did my job and shoo people that actually worked. And, you know. And once I did that, and once I got quite a few jobs under my belt and people started speaking, going, yeah, this guy's actually doing a good job. What he actually says, yes, it sounds mad, but it actually does work. And slowly I convinced people. And, you know, I kept on believing. And that's one thing when you start a new business, don't expect... Everything to be glorious and magnificent and everything goes great from the beginning. It's a hard work. It's a hard, hard (laughs) job to keep going, but you've got to keep your passion. You've got to keep believing you'll do it. And, you know, we're four years down the line now. And even just in the first, you know, since the beginning of April to now, we've took more than we took in the first three years already. And, um, you know, Our sales and our income is up, you know, when last, last financial year was up 300%. And it's because I never gave up. Even when my family were going, you know, maybe she was getting a proper job. And I was like, no, I'm going to push this through. And you know, we, we have now become a success to, to an extent. Now we're, we're going away, um, to Europe. Um, Thursday for our first contracted jobs over there so you know we've gone from just my little idea in my front room to now this European wide uh, success of the business
1: wow that is so good that's such an inspiring story and such good advice as well about you know not expecting it to all just suddenly be all you know <laughs> glorious at the beginning so um, I really love that you've been persistent and I think also as well like you said about you know getting those first few jobs under your belt getting some testimonials you know getting that credibility of people of other people I guess saying yeah this actually works so really good on you That's that's fantastic thank, thank you, you for sharing that no now what about as you've grown so you've you've grown you've become more well well known and established as a business, how have the challenges changed? Excuse me. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Okay. So the challenges that we're now faced with at the moment, um, because we're becoming so successful and well known in, in the work that we do, and people see that you know we have this knack of solving problems, which in some cases go on for six years, more years, depending on how long these people had problems. Like for mice, for example, can last for years. And now people know that we can actually solve their problems. We're now getting calls not just from Scotland, um, but now we're getting calls from Europe. We've had consultations in South Africa, Australia. You know, we've got so many people. So our, our biggest challenge now we have to meet is being able to reach all these people um, and offer them a service deal. So like at the moment, like I was saying, with Europe, we'll just open the door there. Now we're going out to Europe ourselves. But what we're planning on the long run is we're going to be franchising the business
1: Uh, I was wondering if you were going as you were talking that I was going to say to you have you thought of franchising you obviously have excellent
2: (laughs) so yeah we're um We've got offers through networking and partnerships already. Uh, one in South Africa is the Monkey Rescue Foundation that we're going to be working with. It's going to take time to get that one set up, but they're going to give us an office in their rescue centre because we can work with them to educate people and help people with their problems there. And, you know, we've got a new branch going to be open up in Yorkshire in England. We've got that person being chained up for the franchise. So we, we are reaching further afield and, you know, the, the dream is, Katrina, is to have a branch in every county i'd love for us to be able to replace the big corporations like rent to kill eco lab yeah. and, and other ones but at the same time we're never going to become a corporation ourselves we're always going to be you know grounded and rooted and, and make sure people who work for us in the franchises they have to have the same passion they have to have that passion to to put the animals first if they've got that then, yeah then it's great
1: Fantastic, oh, I love that. I love that that's brilliant. um so what percent at the moment then um Kevin, what would you say what percentage approximately of your clientele are vegan and seek you out because you're a vegan company compared with non vegans?
2: okay, well, there's a real big contrast. I looked at this this myself not so long ago, and we find you know I'd say roughly around our rodent work that we do for rats and mice and squirrels probably about 25% vegan, maybe a little bit more. And the reason is this, we have a really good presence on social media where in, the, in Scotland now, if someone has a wildlife problem, straight away they are find my name in there, they find a business name in there. And it's usually in the vegan groups that these do, works coming in. But then if you go and look at our Fox work that we do, again, we have another great partnership, this time with the Scottish SPCA. And with all their Fox calls for the whole of Scotland, they all come through to us. And I'll probably say about 90 more percent of them are non-vegans. They're just people who's called up the SSPCA and they get put through to us. So depends on what species and what partnerships we have with people. Regarding those species, like if it's social media online or an actual partnership with a big organization really changes, you know, how many people are vegan or what percentage are vegan.
1: Yeah. Now that makes sense. And I guess that that's a really actually a good example of collaboration. Cause that was one of the things I was going to ask you is about, you know, competition. Cause what I'm hearing is there's probably in terms of your business. <laughs> There's probably little to no competition because you are one of a kind, um, but you are actually establishing these partnerships with these organizations, and it's a really good example of a business partnering with non-profit organizations yep. that in, a, in a way that's a win-win, so that's that's really brilliant. Um, it's great that you're you're doing that. So in terms of staff, and you mentioned franchising, what about in the business itself? Have you got to the stage where you've employed staff, or uh, you hire freelancers or contractors? Because there's quite a lot to do in a business, and yeah. particularly one that's growing as quickly as yours.
2: Yep, and that's one thing. Just lately, I'm you know I'm really having to take a serious look at is taking someone on because it has got to the stage, especially in the last six months, where the workload. Is just phenomenal, and you know it's a great thing. I don't look at it and think, oh, you know, more work to do. I'm thinking, you know, wow, you know, we're getting so much coming in. We've got a lot to do. Um, at the moment, we're a sole trader. We do have um, volunteers who who sometimes come along. We train them up, and they help us out. And um, you know, so we we try uh, if we need. A, if we have a massive job on. We get people uh, in that we know who's trained and trusted. So we kind of, you know, they come as volunteers and. Um, but like, with the franchising, that's our way of trying to lessen the workload, but spread our messages to say. So it is, it, it is hard at the moment. Like I say, we are looking at more staff, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a tricky one for us. It's, it's something I, to be honest, I don't know a lot, a lot about, about taking on staff.
1: Well, I think that's really fascinating and interesting and good to point out that you have seen this growth even as a sole trader. Because a lot of people, I was talking about this with uh, Fran Costigan, um, who I interviewed recently, um, because she runs her very successful vegan chef in New York and she runs her business pretty much as a, as a freelancer. Um, and so it's interesting that you can do that. Sometimes a lot of people think, oh, you know, you've got to, you know, immediately start up, you know, this. PTY Limited, or you know, um, the equivalent in the UK, whereas you can actually, you know, get to quite a, a good growth stage even as a, a sole trader. So it's good that you've shared that about the, the structure of the company. Thank you. Yeah, so let's talk about the use of the word vegan in your marketing materials on your website and the prominence of the word, because you know, it's a, it's a question that I get so many different answers to. So I like to, to ask it of everybody. Um, what's your your take on it? You know, some people say, oh, vegan and it's a bit of a scary word, and others say, no, no, we should use it and get it more uh, you know, prominent in, in the, the lingo and in the culture. So how do you use it and to what extent? Tell us about um,
2: that. On our online um, social media presence, we do use the word you know, vegan in, in our tagline. So one of our taglines is, we're the only non-lethal, ethical, environmentally friendly vegan alternative to pest control in the UK. That's one of the taglines we do use. But we don't um, throw out there all the time that we're a vegan business. We do, however, have on the back of our our, our T-shirts that we work with. We have a big vegan logo on some of them, you know, because we're proud to be a vegan business. But it's not something that we uh, shout about, not because we're scared about how people react, because um, I don't know what it's like where you are, but in the UK just now there's a massive vegan boom. Um, but, you know, we we don't shout out about it. But, you know, we're still proud of the fact that we are a vegan business.
1: Right, right. Got it. Got it. Um, in terms of your social, you mentioned social media. So what social media platforms are you most active on in regards to your business?
2: OK, so social media. Um, we use Facebook um, is our main um, source. So excuse me just one moment. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, this is cold, it's not good. Um, <laughs> okay. So Facebook is where we're finding um, our most successful source of social media outletting. We've got great networks there with other organizations, people who, who volunteer their campaigns to do um, their work who believe in us. Like, for example, there's just a page for the love of Wild Rats and it has tens of thousands of followers. And yet they really promote the work we do because we advocate not killing rats. So we work together a lot with them. And there's just so many different groups like that we work with. And it spreads our message about us, not just locally, but nationally and even further afield. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of work coming through social media. So, you know, it really does benefit us. We, we do use Twitter as well. Um, but it's something we've not really utilised as much as we probably should have done. But it's something we, we are hoping to address over the summer.
1: So, in terms of Facebook, because it's interesting because basically you're a, a pest control company. And I know, obviously, as vegans, we don't think of animals as pests, but it's kind of interesting because you wouldn't think that, you know, people would necessarily want to follow or be that interested in, you know, even a humane um, kind of pest control company. So, what kind of content are you sharing? Like, how are you getting your uh, audience, ing- keeping them engaged and coming back to your Facebook page and interacting with you? Okay. So, firstly,
2: because we are so unique, I think it stands us out. Um, from a lot of other businesses. Sadly, on Facebook, we are labelled as a pest control business, but that's actually done as a really sneaky little um, marketing tool because someone goes and puts some pest control and we come up, then there's more chance they're going to use us. So we do use the tagline on there um, as pest control. But what we do and what we share and what we encourage people in with, we just keep showing our successes. We shared the, the the videos when we worked at the Commonwealth Games um, in Glasgow of me sitting there with a fox cub and me and his fox cubs sitting next to each other on a sunny day on a step outside the athlete's dining um, dining hall. And, you know, and just things like that. So we like to share our love for wildlife. But we're also on social media. Um, we like to share other grassroots campaigns which help wildlife and veganism and all different other issues. And so we'll share things. Um, I'd like stop badger calls. Or you know, um, support enhanced saboteurs, because we're as a business, we're not afraid to tell people what we believe in.
1: Fantastic. I love that. That's that's a really good example of that. And I love that you're you're sharing your success stories and particularly with imagery. Like you say, even when you said that I kind of had a mental picture of you with a fox, because people love that, you know, they love seeing pictures of people with animals. So I really like the way you've you've tied that into your business to make your content engaging rather than just, hey, this is what we do by our services, which is what a lot of businesses, you know, yeah. often fall into the mistake of doing. So I really like that you've shared that, that you're using stories and success. And like you say, taking a stand and sharing your passions to yep. keep people coming back and that that actually leads to business, which is brilliant. That's great. Now, you've also been featured in some media as well, I believe, Kevin, and I know when we initially spoke, um, when we did the interview for the book, you you'd done some radio and some media. How important has this been in terms of raising your brand awareness as well as generating leads and sales?
2: Okay, yeah, so we've done um well we've done loads of it. we've been on radio in America, we've been radio locally in Scotland, nationally in Scotland and nationally in the UK. Um but it's really weird. I find with radio, um, it's more of a short impact. So people remember it just quickly. So within the following days, weeks from that you get uh, people, you know, maybe message or you liking your site. But if it's printed media, uh, magazines, newspapers, I had a case where nearly two years later down the line, these people remembered the news story and got in touch for our help. Um, you know, and I was like, oh, how did you come across us? And I thought, well, I remember the newspaper story. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if there's some kind of link there, but from what we experience, like, radio is great for instant impact. Well, printed media so far from what we've learned in the years been running is something that really hangs in there long term. I don't know, because if maybe it's a physical thing that they can get their hands on and keep somewhere, or I'm not sure the reason why, but you know, that's, that's how it kind of pans out for us.
1: Fantastic. And that's obviously led to, to work for you.
2: Oh, yes. We've had uh, lots of work coming in. Um, you know, especially through the, the printed media. We had an article done in the national cat magazine in the UK and um, you know we had quite a few follow-up calls from that people needed advice, people wanted what they can do and it was great you know generating that interest and helping people again with their wildlife problems.
1: And how did you get that media coverage Kevin, did you approach media yourself, did you use a publicist or PR firm or did simply being out there say on social media the media come to you?
2: Um, I usually find the media come to us. Um, we get lots of calls from people, you know, um, from, be it from the radio. All the radio people have, have contacted us. All the news people, newspaper people, they've contacted us as well. So we don't have um, a publicist or PR firm we work with. We simply, you know, when people look up, you know, if there's a Fox problem or there's a Fox News story, and they type in Scotland, Fox expert, we usually come up first and so they get in touch. And we're more than happy to... You know, to calm down whatever story that they're they're going on about, and give them good advice on how to how to help.
1: That's really good. And I think that's a really excellent example of being the go-to expert in your field. You know, of being so niche and so specialised that, like you say, when journalists are looking <coughs> for a source, um, you're the one that comes <coughs> up, which is what what we want. Vegan business owners to do because it's a great way, as you know, of getting um, free coverage, basically free publicity, yep. which is brilliant. So that's great. So Kevin, for those who aspire to running a, a business and running it on ethical vegan principles, but they're at the, the moment they're working in a job. They've perhaps never been self-employed or run their own business. What would you say are in your opinion? What are the key things they need to take into account before making that leap from employed to self-employed?
2: Okay. Well, again, from a personal perspective, and this is what I recommend to anyone who contacts me wanting to uh, maybe run one of our franchises. First of all, you've got to do as much research as you can. You have to know what you're going into. You need to know, you know, what other businesses out there, the competition. You know, you've got to build yourself such a great business plan that covers for everything. And, you know, once you've got, all that information to hand and you have a really good business plan, you can use that as your guide to make your way through your business journey because, you know, a business plan should always be involved. It's never just a plan that you have and that's it. It should evolve all the time along with the business. But researching the market you're going into, the competition, the need for your service or your product is so, so important. And another thing as well, I would always say when you start your own self-employed business, if you've got a full-time job at the moment and you can balance the two for a short period until your business starts making money, stick both out because that way you're not going to get the extra stress of, you know, we're not making money just now. What am I going to do? We're running out of money. But if you have a job already, try and do them alongside each other so you've got that financial security as well, which then you can plow that into your business to help it go even yeah. know, past that being a success.
1: Did you do that, Kevin, yourself?
2: No, sadly, I didn't. I was um, out of work at the time. If I had thought of it earlier, then probably I would have done, but I didn't have that luxury. But that's why I say other people, if you do, do that.
1: Cool. <coughs> Excellent. Oh, that's great. Now, what? What's, uh, let's go on to mindset. So if we're talking about, um, you know, running a business, and you mentioned earlier, you know, the need for, to not to give up, to be persistent, and that's something a lot of vegan business owners have said, you know, is essential. Um, Obviously, running a business in some ways, it's the biggest form of personal development because it forces you to grow as a person. Are there any specific uh, uh, strategies or techniques that you use to ensure a strong mental and emotional well-being as a business owner to get you going, keep you going, you know, through the challenging and the difficult times?
2: Uh, well, first of all, you've got to have time out. I mean, as much as you love your business, and as much as you've got so much work to do if you don't take a step back and time out to enjoy the successes of your business, you're just going to burn out. And if you reach that stage, it's going to take longer to recover. You have to give time for yourself, time for your loved ones, time to enjoy what you love to do. The business will, you know, it's not just if you take a day off, it's not going to fold. You know, you have to get that time out. But also, you know, one of the things I find about the business, and this is a lot of people say this about myself and and my business is that I'm passionate about what I do if you're not passionate about your business how do you expect other people to feel that passion and be passionate about what you do too? how do you how would you expect someone if you're not passionate to believe in your service to believe in your product you know you've got to really really keep focused never let the passion die but you have to give yourself time to recuperate if you're having a hard work time
1: oh yeah that's a very good reminder I think sometimes as business owners particularly if we love what we do you know and our work you know is is our passion but still you know we can still kind of you know push ourselves I know I certainly do spending extra long time at the computer and you know constantly in it and you're absolutely right it's so important to just kind of step back and go nope let's just you know have a technology free day and hang out and, and actually you know enjoy the world around you and connect yeah. with people and I'm like you say it's not all going to collapse overnight so that's, an, so that's really another funny. little tip
2: just to add on to that and then this is one that I use regularly if I've got a really hard bit of work I need to do a really hard report a bit of research and you're finding it tough what I do is maybe do half an hour work take 10 minute break you know go out in the garden and do something else just just kind of relieve the the stress of doing it and go back to it and keep doing it you'll find that as you keep doing that you'll get further along and I find having that break just gives you that bit of Mental relaxation, so you're not constantly stressed, and that stress that was not building and building and building without it stopping.
1: That's right. and That's a good point, and particularly about stress as well, because like you say, you know, as vegans, we, you know, if we're eating, you know, healthy vegan eating. You know, we we do pretty well, but stress can get us regardless. Yeah. So that's a really good, really good point. What would you say have been the key lessons you've learned since running Humane Wildlife Solutions?
2: Um, be clever with your marketing. I mean, marketing is important for every business, but there's so many agencies out there and avenues which will take your money quicker than you can even pull it out of your bank account and um, for substantial amounts. When you're doing your marketing, I found when I first started, I spent so much on marketing and I got so little return from it. Um, so you need to think, you know, be clever with your marketing, you know, make partnerships, make links with other organisations, you know, share their website on your website, you know, share their posts on your post and get them shared, your posts on their social media. You know, use the free market in the South. There's so many free ones to do. For example, I live in the middle of a city, I live on a busy road, I have a massive banner. Every day, at rush hour, I have my banner out the front of my property and thousands of people see that and it's costing me nothing. I had the banner donated to us, so it's free advertising. Now if I was to pay for that, it would cost me thousands of pounds to have you know something like that produced and and done for me. If I do it myself in my own garden you know, all these people go past on the bus, loads of people stop and read my banner, and it's free advertising. You've got to think smart about it, because if you can cut your marketing costs, that's going to really help. But if you can think of really creative, out the box marketing ideas, use them. Even if they sound mad, try it. You know, just go for it, because marketing is, is such an important tool for businesses to help grow your profile, but at the same yeah. time, it can be such a burden with the costs that come along with it.
1: Yeah, again, I guess it's kind of that balance. It's like because often, you know, business is trying to go, okay, I'm not going to spend anything on marketing. And then that doesn't necessarily work. But like you say, you don't want to be kind of going crazy with it. So I think there's probably a little bit of a balance there and working yep. with the right people as well, or the right professionals. So final question, let's talk about what you're doing now. We've talked a little bit about where you're going and you're growing the franchise. I believe you're also doing some research into some um, pesticides. Uh, what can you tell us about that?
2: Okay, so. We don't just go out and help animals as a job. We love doing what we're doing. But we're always constantly looking for new ways to deal with old wildlife problems. Um, and at the moment, we we believe we're on the cusp of developing a world first. In fact, we've got two products. And I'll go through the story first. The first one is we did a bit of research with plant-based, so this is a completely vegan uh, product, a plant-based wasp nest repellent. Now, we found this had some really great effects that we didn't realize would happen. But we're thinking now we can tweak these to make the world's first wasp nest repellent. This is just simply using a certain plant compounds. And, you know, the idea is you spray it on the nest and the wasp leaves. There's no need for poison, you know, the toxic sprays you get to deal with wasps. This would simply encourage the wasp to abandon the nest, take their young, and go elsewhere. Off the back of this, um just nearly by pure accident we stumbled onto something which we believe could be the world's first plant-based alternative to pesticides. Again, just using plant compounds and nothing else. You know, if this world, if we can get the research done and the funding we need for this research, you know, it will not just be better for the environment, for wildlife, for the plants, for people. It will be cheaper for farmers to use. It would revolutionise uh, the whole way people deal with pesticides you know so if we can get this uh, research project off the ground and enough funding to get it going it could be something massive historically even we believe because nothing's ever been done like this before and it would just replace harmful pesticides and you know we believe it will come in so cheap that everyone could use it and it'll just be such an amazing vegan product for everyone in the world to use on their crops everywhere without causing any harm to any living being
1: That's wonderful, including the so-called pests that... um, Including them as well. They're they're the ones who are at the heart
2: of making sure they're, you know, they're given an alternative instead of using all these dangerous chemicals to, to kill off animals, which are just trying to live their lives just like we are.
1: Exactly. Well, I love that you're you're doing that because like you say, you know, getting products that are good for people, you know, and not poisoning us, not poisoning others, good for animals and good for planet is really the way to go. And it's exciting time. So we will certainly um, we do a vegan business news roundup at the end of each podcast, Kevin. So do keep us up to date with that and we'll report on your progress. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You've got such an innovative, uh, you know, business and I'm so pleased that it's growing and I'm really looking forward to seeing you expanding um, and growing. So thank you again for joining me today, Kevin.
0: Thank you. So that was Kevin Newell from Humane Wildlife Solutions. You can find out more at humanewildlifesolutions.co.uk. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The team behind Sticky Fingers Bakery in Washington, D.C. has opened a new eatery called Farewell, reports the Washington Post. Billed as a retro but modern anytime gathering spot, the diner opened on the 22nd of June for breakfast, lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday. As with Sticky Fingers, the food is aimed to tantalise non-vegans. It includes Greek salads and calzones, while the all-day breakfast offerings include French toast casserole, polenta biscuit sliders, seitan and waffles, Greek omelettes and chilaquiles. A bakery will also feature in the 2,600-square-foot venue, which has seating for more than 40 people across the dining and bar areas. Former dairy farmer Tom Morrison has replaced cows with cashews at his ice cream stand, Rock Salt Creamery, which is part of his larger heritage farm in New Hampshire in the US, reports the Concord Monitor. In 2010, Morrison transitioned to plant-based eating for his health, eliminating animal products from his diet. At the same time, he started experimenting with coconut and almond-based ice cream. Six years later, Morrison's shop is a combination of health food store and ice cream stand, offering raw legumes, seeds and grains, along with health books. The ice cream is made on the spot in a large nitrogen tank. Traditional flavours such as strawberry and chocolate accompany more out there offerings such as carrot or lemon basil. And what's particularly interesting and relevant for those of you based in a rural area or considering a move to this kind of setting, Morrison thought that making a vegan product way out in the middle of rural New Hampshire might be a risk, but it's actually been a huge success with demand for the vegan products continuing to grow. What a fantastic story. I love hearing about former animal farmers who move into plant-based foods because it gives hope that anyone can change. You may remember in last week's episode of Vegan Business Talk, I reported on an Australian Hospitality Magazine's article highlighting the business reasons for restaurants to include more vegan options on their menus. This week, another hospitality magazine, this one in the UK, has run a similar article leading with the headline that restaurants are missing out on half a million diners. Big Hospitality uses recent data from the Vegan Society on the increased numbers of vegans in the UK as the hook for the story. And this is a good example of how you as a vegan business owner can use research and surveys to come up with strong PR angles for the media and to come up with relevant angles for speciality media. San Diego's plant-power fast food has launched a new breakfast menu, reports latest vegan news. Until now, it only provided lunch and dinner. The fast food breakfast items include organic English muffin, tofu egg scramble, bagel and cream cheese, chicken and waffle sandwich, vegan chicken of course, maple sausage, sausage egg and cheese biscuit and organic coffee. The menu will be available from 7am till 11am at Plant Power's first location at Sunset Cliffs Boulevard. According to latest vegan news, the company has plans to expand. Starting with a location in Encinatias, California, in early 2017, Plant Power plans to become a regional chain over the next two years before going national. Excellent news! Move over McDonald's, KFC, and all the rest of those other fast food joints. Plant Power is taking over. <laughs> Celebrity tattoo and makeup artist Kat Von D recently launched her new limited edition vegan eyeshadow palette Serpentina, reports Veg News. The palette, which will launch on the 5th of July on sephora.com, consists of eight jewel tones, including a rich maroon blood milk, slate-coloured medusa, and purple-hued venom. It's great to see more celebrities getting super creative with their makeup products, including with the names. You can check out a sneak preview on the Kat Von D Beauty social media channels. Finally, healthy plant-based living is on the rise in Russia and the Ukraine, with the numbers of vegan and vegetarian places continuing to grow since 2010, according to an article on the Vogue website. Vegano Huligano, a vegan restaurant created in 2011 by Rudolf Krajewski, with locations in both Kiev and Odessa, as well as a food truck, is mentioned in the piece. An offshoot of the restaurant is the new Kiev Vegan Boom, a two-day festival that saw more than 10,000 visitors on its first day. That's amazing. And this is so good to hear. When I was on my stall at London VegFest UK last year, I met a couple of vegan business owners from Poland, as well as activist Dobroslava Goglosa. And they all told me that Poland is also experiencing a vegan boom, which is wonderful. Loving the spread of the vegan revolution. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving in a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. I'm Katrina Fox from veganbusinessmedia.com and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now.